Welcome to The Hollow Point, your source for the latest guns, gear, and gossip, with your host, Rich Nance and Mike Barilla. Welcome to the show. Mike Barilla here, as always, with Rich, my shoe hurts, Nance. Nice. That's a good one. How you doing today? Good. Today I'm excited. We got my friend and mentor, Jim Cobber, on the show. And uh, Jim is a 20-year uh, Navy SEAL who retired as a Master Chief, uh, did quite a bit of, of stuff post-9-11, and is doing a lot of stuff today. Uh, Jim, welcome to the show. Well, thanks. Great being with you guys. It's always good seeing you. So tell us a little bit, Jim, about what you're doing with the Site Firearms Training Center in Mount Carroll, Illinois. Um, how did you become involved with that? Yeah, it's kind of a long story, Rich. Uh, you know, I've been affiliated with that training center since, oh, I want to say 1999 or 2000, um, because a good friend of mine, Jeff Blomsons, who has actually owned the facility, um, asked me if I can come in and, and uh, teach a law enforcement sniper course, a five-day, um, both a, a basic and an advanced course, of which I do. Actually, I live in Washington State, but I fly out there and I teach the course, um, and then, of course, being the big shooter he is, and the hunts around the world he asked if I can do the same thing for a hunting hunting rifle course which you know it's basically the same when you're dealing with long-range scoped rifles so I instituted a hunting rifle course out there then I want to say about four years ago he asked me if I'd be uh, interested in running the facility and you know living on the west coast it was kind of a stretch and seeing how things have been run out there in the past you know it's it's changed manage, managerial hands all oh, four or five times yeah, Jim been, just in the yep. short time I've I've known of that place I mean the last few years it's been impact it's been the hollow it's been, obviously it was Blackwater at one point and then uh, U.S. Training Center so it's it's had some different names out there yeah it's had different names but uh kind of a commonality except for when blackwater had it uh, for a, a short period of time it's always been the one guy trying to run the range trying to run the lodge and you know when i was talking to the owner i says after observing um the training out here and the amount of infrastructure you have amount of ranges um it's like running costco all by yourself <laughs> <Yeah>. there's <laughs> it's just way too much going on so um, he agreed with uh, a three-year um, business plan that I had written up and some funding and some uh, basic staff hiring and um, really becoming involved with uh, Outdoor Sportsman's Group and yourself and Guns and Ammo TV and um, handguns and defensive weapons. Um, and that trade-off between you guys coming out and filming it and um, in turn you know, allowing us to uh, run advertisements in, in Guns and Ammo magazine and some of your special interest publications really put us on the map. And that's really where I wanted it to go. I mean, sure. if you have no marketing, you have no exposure, you, you have no clientele. Yeah. And I mean, it, it's an amazing facility, uh, even just visually, you know, it looks like you're shooting on a golf course. Uh, you talk about staff. I'm sure somebody, well, I know who that somebody is, Dean, is uh, is cutting the grass probably every day 
pretty close to every day some, something is getting cut or maintained, not in addition to all the other MacGyver stuff uh, that, <laughs> that Dean's able to do. So, yeah, I mean, really, the people out there uh, make your stay great. Talk a little bit about the lodge, Jim, and how once you're out there, you don't even have to leave. Yeah, that's that's our big draw out there. You know, it's not like going to another um, gun training facility or tactical uh, training facility because you you're immersed in the training. When I say immersed, um, the Great Lodge um, is only a five minute drive and all the instructors, as you know, stay out there. So we immerse ourselves with whatever training that's going on with our clientele. So it's nice to be able to socialize with our with our clients um, during their their training week or their training weekend. Um, and it, it's an atmosphere that I I really insisted on. It, it's about the clients. It's not about us as instructors. So again, everything's so convenient out there. Yeah, I mean, it really is a relaxed family type atmosphere. Of course, the training is uh, is not uh, is not a joke. It's very serious training that is conducted. But afterward, uh, every, everybody's there to have a good time as well as to learn something that's probably going to help uh, keep them more safe. One of the things, Mike, you know, people may be um, intimidated a little bit going out there. You know, former Navy SEAL, they may think they're going to be, you know, doing PT and everything. But uh, <laughs> Jim's only made me PT a couple times, and I, I'm sure I deserved it. But uh, it's really it's a relaxed atmosphere out there. And, and Jim, talk a little bit about um, what you look for out there um, from an instructor, because you're, you may be teaching, you know, the gamut from a high speed uh, military operator or, or a seasoned SWAT cop to a housewife or to a, a teenager who's, who's maybe only fired a, a weapon, a pistol a few times. Yeah, that's, uh, that's a good point, Rich. Um, I, I don't want, well, let me put it this way. I'm always reluctant to we call it pimping the trident, trident being our naval special warfare insignia. You know, it was, I love the teams. I love the guys, the work, you know, the, the post Navy um, overseas national security related work. But when it comes to the site, it's all about the client. So when it comes to the instructor staff, I look for maturity. I look for depth of operation. And above all, I look at their teaching credentials and their ability to relay that important information from a, you know, like you've heard, you've heard me say this before, you know, the 13 year old girl with her family taking her first firearms um, safety training course to, you know, again, the, the seasoned SWAT officer. So um, it has to be that level of maturity and that the patients involved in the and the ability to articulate exactly what we want in any given course. Mike and I have talked a lot about that, about someone who may be really good, but they don't know why. Yeah, there's some instructors that I know that they might be the best shots in the world, but they can't convey that information um, efficiently and effectively. Um, what is, would you say there's an overall training philosophy or a, a set of guidelines that the site uses? Yeah, I'll, Mike, I would say that uh, safety first. Uh, that's always a priority in anything we do, whether it's, you know, on the streets as a law enforcement officer, your, you know, your special operations forces or um, what we do on, you know, at the site. So safety preempts everything else. But that being said, 
I'm a huge believer in training as realistically as you can without endangering the clientele. So again, it's one of these one of these things where you hear about the advanced courses and the advanced tactical courses and the level three and the level five. And it's like, you know, to me, doing something like our realistic expectations in violence, home defense or pistol courses, it's not how fast you can come out of the holster and engage, you know, falling plates at 10 yards. That has nothing to do with the realistic training that we'd like to impose at the site. You it's, hear that, Jim Tar? <laughs> anyway so that's why i need guys like you rich to come in and you're a street cop you're an instructor you have a huge um background and uh depth of depth of field as far as what it takes to actually protect yourself in a life-threatening situation so um regardless of whether it's pistol carbine you know law enforcement sniper rifle type training it's as much realism as we can interject within reason for the you know the two or three or five day courses that we run jim talk a little bit about the range facility how many ranges are there uh, what types of training is conducted at the site sure you know as you know um if you go to the the website uh, the site training dot dot com um, it gives a range layout, but essentially what we have, we have nine ranges, um, five of those being flat ranges. We have, we have one live fire shoot house, 2,700 feet, fully ballistic walls, um, catwalk. where we, yeah, yeah. Cat, uh, you know, overhead catwalks for instructor evaluation. Um, we have a sim house where we do all of our non-lethal, um, training, our, a reality-based training is conducted in that place when we use our UTM or, or simunitions. Um, 600-yard rifle range for you know our precision rifle courses, our SWAT sniper courses. Um, and you actually teach those, right, Jim? I do. So again, it's one of these things where a man's got to know his limitations. So <laughs> even though <laughs> I, you know, I've done the whole gamut in in the seal teams it's not that i'm current on everything so that's why i bring in guys like yourself some of the other um law law enforcement uh instructors that teach both law enforcement and civilian um so as far as what i teach just because you know i'm kind of under a little bit of a time constraint trying to run the lodge and and the range itself i'll teach everything that's um scoped rifle related any truth to the rumor that you shot down a drone with a pistol? Well, there is some truth to that. <laughs> racing, but the, the the downside, it took me two shots. <laughs> oh, man. Well, you know, in addition to the site, Jim, I know that you're involved uh, with another venture, uh, Alpha Munitions. So, um, and I know that they specialize in in, in rifle brass and and that's about all i know about that kind of thing if it involves math or anything with a scoped rifle it's like a foreign language to me (laughs) and i could barely speak english so tell us a little bit about alpha munitions jim what you're doing with them and kind of what their mission is yeah it's it's kind of an odd situation a little bit of a background so a little over a year ago um good friends of mine who have been 
affiliated with the site, not so much from the courses we caught, but uh, some of the other trainees, trainers that would come in, um, they would be a part of that, uh, part of their particular course. So one day, the four of them, it's, can I name them? Of course. <laughs> so, so it's Tom and Bob Danielson, Mark Booth, Andrew Rickson, um, and Herb Regan, um, mostly from the Chicago area. They asked for a two-day precision rifle class, just those guys. So, you know, I'm always willing to lay behind the scope rifle and teach what I know. But they were asking very unusual questions that went far beyond just, you know, laying behind the scope rifle and shooting. They were talking about a lot of the reloading questions and the precision components and whatnot. So come to find out they had, uh, they were in, um, in a capacity to buy really the state-of-the-art um, brass manufacturing um, cells in, by set point out of Ogden, Utah. So anyway, so as we were as we were discussing that, they were asking me what's important for the precision rifle shooter when it comes to components. I said, well, always start off with your brass. Brass is um, kind of the home for accuracy, so to speak, when you include your your primer, your powder, your projectile, and consistency. And of course, they asked me, well, what's the best brass out there? And naturally, being a high power shooter, you know, and affiliated with the scoped rifle community, so to speak, in Naval Special Warfare, um, it's consistency. So consistency and all those all those components are absolutely essential. So we were talking about the brass itself, since that's basically, you know, what the what Alpha Munitions does is build the world's best brass. So that being said, I says, look, all of us that do this are very anal, anal OCD when it comes to component consistency. So if we say something, you're going to have your PhDs out there that are going to break out this brass and they're all the measuring tools and they're going to either call you on it or say, this is the best we've seen. I says, so you can't pull the wool over these guys. Sure. So if we're going to claim the best, we better be able to document it via um, the data for measurements and, and whatnot. So that being said, um, they asked me to come on board the team as the, as the chief's strategic officer basically what means i have the easy part you know <laughs> i i give them advice on what calibers that are most popular in the precision um rifle uh competitions the long range competitions and whatnot so and then they build the brass andrew is the chief engineer and uh, just a, a brilliant brilliant kid and he does all the evaluation on the tooling, changes the tooling to make sure the tolerances are literally best in the world. And then he sends me the brass and I test it. I load it, I test it, very anal about it, um, and I give p feedback. Yeah, that sounds like a, a good gig for you. Um, now are they offering probably 6.5, 260, those kind of calibers? Yeah, that's exactly, Mike, what... Uh, what they're offering right now. So it's easy to get sidetracked on everything that people want as far as accuracy um, and calibers. So right now uh, we are totally focused on the 6.5 Creedmoor and the 260. 
that makes total sense. I think that's, you know, probably 95% of the, the people in those kind of competitions and the people that buy that brass, right? Sure, Unless they're doing exactly. their own wildcat weird con, yeah. you know, there's all kinds of variations of those. Sure. You know, there's other calibers that are very popular, say in the PRS field, um, like six Creedmoor and six five by 47 Lapua, um, which they are on our radar. But right now we we're totally focused on supplying the U.S. market with the two most popular, in our opinion, the, the Creedmoor and the and the 260. Yeah, I'm, I'm shooting the Creedmoor. You know, I had uh, the guys over at uh, Spartan Precision build me a couple <clears> rifles <throat> that uh, they're doing really well with that caliber. And what um, I guess what what do you find? I've the reason I went with six five is because that 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 Hornady uh, uh, and Amax stuff right out of the box is hard to beat. Um, what do you see as a potential for for accuracy increasement using that Alpha brass? Well, I've been testing that. Matter of fact, I've just started to test with the five manufacturers that uh, that make six five Creedmoor. Um, one of the big reasons for success of the six five Creedmoor was the ability to buy you know, the, the Hornady match ammo and the and the Hornady exactly. brass at, at literally reasonable prices. Mm-hmm. So that really put the 6.5 Creedmoor on the map. And the Hornady, um, AMAX, the ELDMs all shoot, you know, easy sub half minute of angle. If you're doing your part, you, you know, you have something like a, a Spartan precision rifle like, like yourself. So um, when you start hand loading this yourself you can really fine tune um your loads to get literally no exaggeration under quarter minute groups um if you're doing your part and one thing i find about alpha brass it's so consistent Uh, i'm on my i want to say seventh reloading on the same 30 cases no annealing i'm just i'm just trimming to length measuring the primer pockets make sure uh you know they stay within tolerance so you know you you're not blowing primers out but i mean to shoot a half a minute with my current test loads and their high pressure loads is that's a bad day literally <laughs> yeah that that that's something i would uh <laughs> i'm writing home about that if i do that <laughs> yeah. i think i think 99% of the people out there would be uh would be you know calling everybody they know if they did that yeah, I mean, and you know, we're posting on the uh, Alpha Munitions Facebook. We're posting uh, my weekend uh, test results, um, both written and verified by the the targets that we post to. So they're directly correlated. Yeah, I saw that. That was uh, pretty impressive. I could do that at like five yards. Man, I got to get back into that game. I haven't I haven't shot some of that uh, the PRS stuff in a while. Took a couple of good courses with the guys over at, um, I think it was Rifles Only. Um, oh, yeah. The, they the, ran a great course. Yeah, that, that, that was a lot of fun. I learned a lot in that. And it, it, those fundamentals actually apply across the, the, the shooting platforms. A lot of them do, especially, you know, that natural point of aim a lot of people forget about. Oh, sure. Yeah. And, you know, whether you're hunting, whether you're a law enforcement or military sniper, it, it's all applicable. Jim, what are some of the things that, that, you teach in in the hunting course uh and is that similar to the uh precision rifle stuff i mean i'm sure there's a lot of uh crossover but the hunting course you shoot from different positions or i mean tell me a little bit about that i I, i'm totally lost there here again rich uh, i like to resort to reality Mm -hmm. you know a hunting rifle course or a law enforcement 
sniper course is not laying on your stomach at 100 yards and seeing how small a group you can shoot. I mean, that is, is that's good for testing ammunition and whatnot, but it really has no basis for what actually occurs in the field. So um, back on the question of the hunting rifle course, it's like you may have a great long range course that can shoot you know, under a minute at a thousand yards, but in my opinion, there's some there's some ethics involved. Um, I'm not a big believer in long range hunting. If you if you have the capability to do it, if you have the capability of putting you know a round your first round into the vital areas of an animal, then that is your personal capability. Again, you may have the equipment, but when it comes time to get out in the field, if you're whacking away at antelope or elk or whitetail or mule deer at 700 yards and you shoot the jaw off or you break a leg or you gut shooting, yeah. um, very unethical. So the crux of my hunting rifle course is what is your limitation? Usually our personal limitation is a lot closer than the limitations of our ammunition and our sure. firearms. So that's what I bring out, you know, actual field positions um, and see how far you can you can stretch your personal limitation to a 100% guarantee one round in the vital areas. That reminds me, I, I resort always to, you know, handgun or carbine stuff. Same thing with handguns. This is the most accurate handgun. This is not as, I mean, it's all going to be more accurate than, than the human behind it in most cases. Any, any um, you know, reputable manufacturer is going to make an accurate handgun at 25 yards. Sure, so. absolutely. You know, it's one of these things, yeah. You know, I see most of the rifles out there are, you know, can stay well within a vital area, say 10 inches, for example, at 500 yards. But when we start incorporating the hunting aspects, you're on the side of a hill, you're shooting off your backpack, you're shooting off shooting sticks, sometimes unsupported, that 500 yard capability may be 200 yards or less. Jim, as far as gear, I know that, um, you know, we all have our, our preferences and I also know that, that you're a firm believer in the gear does not make the shooter, but can you talk a little bit about what kind of gear you think is important for just precision rifle? I mean, what kind of scopes, do, is, is there a particular brand that you recommend has got particular kind of rifle that you like? Uh, yeah, you know, that, that's a good question. Uh, Rich, there's, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not really big on kind of one item recommendations. Mm -hmm. So there are so many rifles out there, even factory commercial off the shelf, Remington 700s, Ruger, RPRs and whatnot, all very well made. So it depends on what you, what you, your personal desire is, how much you're willing to spend. I mean, I've seen literally $1,200 factory rifles shoot just as well as $4,500 um, custom-made guns. Wow. Um, not so much because one's better than the other, is because the shooter has a capability. Um, yeah, I find that most and, of those guns will outshoot the, the, the shooter in most situations. Right, exactly. I mean, I used to shoot high power competitively at the U.S. National Championships up at Camp Perry. And people have a tendency to kind of parrot and purchase what the top shooters are using. Well, I, I find these top shooters 
shooting like the Wimbledon and the Leech Cup, thousand yards. I mean, gross exaggeration. You, you know this, Rich. They can show up with a wrist rocket <laughs> and and still win those competitions. But it's so, easier to just say, if I had Jim Cobber's rifle, I could yeah. shoot that than it is to spend the time I think, developing the skill. I think a lot of people relate the amount of money they spend on the gear to how well you know they're going to shoot. Yeah, well, that's very true, Mike. I, you know, my recommendation gets you. You know, it depends on where you are money-wise and what you're willing to spend. But I find the Ruger RPRs. You know, Remington just came out with a new 700 uh, Magpul 5R rifle, and I'll tell you, both of those are well under one-minute capabilities. So you don't have to spend four thousand dollars for a, a custom rifle. Um, spend it on ammunition, spend it on reloading if you're a reloader, but spend Training. most of that time on the range, literally. Jim, how do you feel about um, bolt versus semi-auto? I mean, semi-auto, obviously, for a guy like me who's not that much in the know, seems like a good idea because perhaps faster follow-up shots, but how much faster is probably dependent on how well-versed you are at working the bolt. I mean, what in your experience, what's your thoughts on semi-auto versus bolt? Um Obviously, it depends on the application, but just in general for precision in, rifle work. In general, um, I like them both because both have their place in um, in this type of discipline. So um, when people buy semi-autos, I, I don't like to like them to think, well, you know, the faster I can shoot, the, the more I can hit. Well, sure. that's usually just the opposite. Um, it, this is a generic statement here or a general statement, you're going to find some very, very well-made semi-autos, but don't expect the accuracy out of a semi-auto um, as you will with a um, with a bolt-action gun. Just the lockup isn't as tight. The, uh, the recoil impulse is longer. You have what they call PIV, pre-ignition vibration. Um, so all those factor in um, the accuracy between the two. So totally. both have their place. Um, both are excellent for what they're basically designed to do. Yeah. And I mean, if you have $1,200 to spend, you're way better off spending that on a bolt gun than a semi-auto. Sure. Exactly. And especially if you're looking at pure accuracy, then I would tend towards the bolt action. Um, but again, the semi-auto has its place too. And uh, with regard to scopes, you know, um, everyone freaks out about, you know, paying for a red dot optic that may cost as much as the Glock or whatever it is that they're mounting it to. But mm -hmm. uh, in the long distance shooting world, it's not uncommon for a scope to cost nearly as much as the rifle. Is that is that true? For the most part, I would say the scopes would cost more than the rifle. Oh, really? And you, you know how it is, Mike and Rich. You know, when it comes to gear, there's always these solutions to non-existing problems out there. Um, so my recommendation as far as scopes go is spend as much as you can afford on optics. And that being said, if there's any area in this endeavor that you get what you pay for, that's in optics. Yeah, that's... Um, we're... Uh, Americans are of magnum. I call it magnum mind. We need the biggest, the fastest, the heaviest, the highest magnification. Um, for the most part, a good scope, and I'm talking Vortex, Night Force, Schmidt and Bender, Collies. I mean, there's so many good scopes out there. Um, look at the magn 
magnification that you actually need and kind of go with that. And if you have some basic knowledge on reticle designs, whether it's minute of angle or mil rad, then, you know, make those decisions based on some reputable um, advice and also your personal preference and the amount you want to spend. Are you an MOA guy or a mil guy? I'm an MLA guy. <laughs> I feel I, like I a lot say. of that has to do, no offense, but with like the, the age gap there a little bit. I think the, a lot of the, the new guys coming in are kind of milling it, right? Is that just from a training history? No. Well, that's a good question, Mike. Um, literally, being in the SEAL teams, I live behind the mill rad reticle. NATO standard that, and everything, right? Yeah, and um, minute of angle minute of angle adjustments that's, that's kind of crazy you know <laughs> i think they the optics industry has it right you either go mill mill or minute minute so when i say minute um again living behind the mill scale and there's no downside to either one whatever is easy for you so when i work out the mathematical firing solutions i always come up with minute of angle first and then i do the conversion to mills so basically when I, when I personally use a minute reticle, um, that's one less step I have to do. Um, that makes sense. Versus converting it to a mill. Yeah, no, 70. I, I think in inches, feet, and yards. So when you think in inches, feet, and yards, it's easy to do that minute of angle correction. Yeah. I noticed, I think, what was it, seven, eight years ago, it seemed like uh, all the scope manufacturers were going mill reticles with MOA turrets, which <laughs> absolutely made no sense. That's crazy. That re that is really confusing. Yeah, I don't. I didn't see the benefit there at all. Now, on another kind of tech aspect, um, are you a fan of ballistic calculators or no? Uh, <laughs> we're talking a generation. I'll tell you right now. I hate them. I hate them. I, I won't um, use them. I, I think do there's no there's nothing better than just knowing your dope. Yeah, that's true. Um, here here's my here's my theory on this. I think ballistic calculators are good. But I think you should know what your particular ballistics are. It's always a good start point. And then once you are in a given condition and you know what your minute or mill come ups or, or yeah. wind, wind, uh, wind drift calculations are, you always start from there. Yeah, we had in that rifles only class, we had guys come out with, you know, those crazy Kestrel weather stations, the the t markers every hundred yards, all kinds of, you know, spending 10 gear on just weather stations and everything. And I look yeah. at my, my dope sheet and I'm boom on target in two minutes and they're, you know, they're sitting there 15 minutes later. Sure. And, you know, you know, in these competitions or even out in the field for those that do this pro uh, uh, professionally, you haven't got time to break out all that stuff. It's just not going to happen. So. Here again, it's it resorts back to the training and familiarity with your particular firearm and, and ballistic capability. Yeah. I shoot pretty well with Jim standing behind me calling the wind, <laughs> telling me where to hold. Is there a lot of wind out there? Well, you know, we're down uh, pretty close to where, where Rich is, uh, about an hour and a half out of uh, Fresno at the Bear Trap uh, ranch just out of uh, Kalinga, California, and yeah, there there are there is some <laughs> there's some really interesting winds. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah they'll be, they'll be coming from three different directions because our our targets that are from a thousand out to two thousand yards, they're in the uh, intersection of three different valleys. So you can imagine what it's doing. <laughs> gotcha. 
Yeah, it's it's pretty out there too, and also a neat place to do some high angle shooting, right, Jim? And maybe that's the last thing we'll we'll uh, pester you about, because um, because things are a little different when you're high up on the not when you're high like on crack, but when you're <laughs> when you're in elevated position and shooting downward, right? Um, just give us in general terms, because if you explained it in detail, I would be completely lost. We'd be here three hours later. But yeah, is there a difference when you're high and you're shooting at a target that is that is significantly lower than you? Yeah, it 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 revolves around the flight of the bullet and how gravity affects it. So when you're shooting at extreme angles, um, you have to take into consideration, uh, you know, uh, how much flatter the the bullet will be flying uh, flying whether you're shooting downhill or uphill so the further away from the uh, parallel of the earth's surface the less effect that that gravity is pulling on your bullet so you, there there is basically a, a formula formula you use you'll you'll take your cosine um times your distance and it's going to give you your ballistic distance so um, anyway, I don't want to get into the math of this. Thing, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I saw as soon as you said cosine, Rich's eyes glazed over. <laughs> Th- that's what I need there, when I buy a car. Some, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's some, there's some uh, uh, significant uh, considerations you have to take. But like I used to tell my, my teammates, look, if it's less than 20 degrees and, and closer than 500 yards, um, don't worry about it. But the boys going over to Afghanistan when they were doing that, uh, man, there were long shots at over 30 degrees. So uh-huh. definitely you need to take into consideration, you know, the difference in, in bullet flight. Jim, and I teach that out there too. Thanks so much for, for being with us today. Uh, let's get a good plug for the site and for Alpha Munitions so that our uh, listeners can, can find those websites. Sure. So the website for the site is... Um, the site training.com site spelled s-i-t-e and then for alpha munitions alpha munitions.com okay perfect and and individuals are are welcome to give me a call um or fire me off an email i have my email and all those sites so um yeah be glad to hear from anybody out there in, in in your listening crowd okay perfect well uh thanks for joining us sure you guys are very welcome thanks a lot jim Okay. Talk to you guys later. thanks again to uh, Jim for being on the show. That was a that was a good talk. Yeah, Jim is a wealth of knowledge for sure. <laughs> now, um, I know you're just back from Shot Show. Uh, how are those herpes? You know, not too bad. I mean, and I hear there's actually a uh, a cure now for. Um for uh, hepatitis C, so I'm really looking forward to that as well. <laughs> is that the <laughs> that the one you have? <laughs> Presumably. Yeah, I mean, you know, shot show with uh, with everybody touching the same guns and uh, licking the same doorknobs. People <laughs> people tend to get sick, and there's a lot of doorknob lickers in there. <laughs> that's that's no lie. Uh, I was a little worried because you know, you you broke the sad news to me that the bourbon room wasn't there anymore. But it is a new place called either Dorsey's or Darcy's. I was a little under the uh, influence, but <laughs> it starts with a D and ends with an S, and it was a really cool place. It's actually, it's better. Actually, yeah, there's more room now. I think uh, I like the '80s, you know, metal theme of the it bourbon room. Cool. That was pretty cool. You know, you get to hear that, uh, the, no, all that stuff all the no time. No doubt, no doubt, so, that was cool. Yeah, you know, um, there there are some. You know, again, for the guys that didn't listen to the last show, I didn't go this year. Um, wasn't able to make it. I've been to the last seven or eight of them, and they're all pretty much the same. Um, you know, a lot of 
my thing is always, you know, try to find the person wearing the most different types of camo. <laughs> it yeah. seems like whatever people, you know, don't be a turd. If you go to shot, just wear like casual business attire, please. Don't make it look like uh, you're fucking was, hunting ducks. There was more dudes with tattoos and beards and medium shirts than any other year previously. Yeah, I, mean, I don't, I don't get that whole thing. Anyway, um, there, there were a couple cool um, things coming out. You know, um, the, the, the downstairs I always call like the, the, the lost area. You know, you get yeah. all those like weird. Well, that's like the, the up and comers who haven't quite. You know, uh, well, I some like, of those guys I have been like there for twenty years. Well, so. you're right, selling morale patches and you know, uh, underbelts or whatever. yeah, like bear. Yeah. You know, the, the, the bear carvings and shit like that. So, but there are a lot of cool companies down there too. Um, you know, it is, it is a, it is a good show. If you've never been, it's, um, it's a lot of fun to go to. Um, you know, a couple of things that came out of there, um, that's easy that you brought up. Yeah. The CZ P10. And I mean, I don't know a ton about it. Uh, I just, that was one I remember, uh, fondling at the CZ booth yeah, it uh, seems like they're trying to make a push for being kind of a more mainstream duty line gun. Yeah. A lot of the stuff that they have coming out, um, I know some departments out here are even kind of um, throwing out the idea of testing some of those guns. So that's kind of good to see. I know they hired a new um, law enforcement coordinator or something. Like that. I forgot the actual title, but yeah. someone that you know is trying to push that market for them. Their booth was uh, was really packed and. Um you know, the P10, uh, I didn't shoot it live fire, but like I said, I, f- I held it in my hand, followed a little bit, and um, the trigger uh, seemed to, to be really nice, a really clean breaking uh, trigger. And uh, it's a pistol I definitely am interested in shooting more and, and probably purchasing. So I was excited about that. And then, of course, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, SIG, you know, who seems like they're just like taking over the whole firearms industry, you know. One take, color at a time. Yeah. Um, they, uh, they have the new... Uh, P320X pistols out, and there's there's three of those. One is a, a five inch slide, you know, five inch barrel, kind of a competition geared tor- uh, type pistol, and then they have a like a compact version. The one that I was most interested in was the uh, VTAC model. It's uh, it's pretty interesting. It's um, it, it, the one I looked at was two tone. The top was sort of like a not flat dark earth, but something similar. Um, really cool thing about all of those uh, pistols is that the trigger breaks at 90 degrees. So you're less apt to kind of, you know, uh, jerk the trigger one way yeah. or another because you're not having to pull it back as far. Now, the big news out of shot was that they got awarded the uh, the new modular, whatever, the Army uh, handgun. Absolutely. With the uh, with the 320, you know, that's that's good to hear. They're, they're good... Um, I like those. You know, the the only downside on the 320 I have is how complicated the striker mech is inside of them. Mm-hmm. You know, if some of those uh, the taking that thing apart, there's tiny pieces in there that you almost need a magnifying glass to see, and that's going to be kind of a a problem. I'm curious if they're going to kind of seal those somehow so the guys in the field can't take those apart. Yeah, I, I'm not sure on that, but that is that is a consideration for sure. Um, you know, the, the VTAC model it has a, a flat top that has like the I don't know if you call them. Uh, it's basically grooved to yeah. try to minimize glare and everything else. And, of course, oh. it has the VTAC sites, the signature VTAC sites, which I like. Are those the ones with, like, the four different yeah, dot they, systems yeah, on them? And, and some people complain that they're a little busy. And, and I guess they can be until you get used to them, uh, look a little busy during, you know, normal lighting conditions. Uh, but, but it's not what, like I use my sites anyway. Yeah, but it, you have the, um, you know, the, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? 
that you see during the daytime, Mike. Um, uh, the fibers? It has the fiber optic uh, sites for daytime use, and it has the tritium inserts for nighttime use. So uh, in, in normal lighting, you see two sets of sites, but when you go into darkness, you only see one. Um, I guess if it's bright sunlight, you'll probably see the uh, tr- uh, the uh, fibers more. But anyway, I think that it's it's really nice gun. It's got uh, uh, light lightning, not lightning, but lightening cuts on the sides of the slide. Um, the way it's designed, your hand gets up a little higher on the back strap. Um, it's a little undercut, uh, at the trigger guard. So you can choke up a little higher on the pistol and, um, all these, uh, SIG pistols ship with, uh, three mags. So that's kind of a cool thing there. Yeah. You know, I, uh, I like, again, I like the three twenties. I've, you know, no negatives on those really. Um, did you get to play with that Hudson? You know, no, I didn't. I was at media day at the range and um, a little hurried because I had so much other uh, so much other stuff to get to. And that booth, when I went there, the two times I went by there was just absolutely packed. And I think they were only allowing people to shoot like three or four rounds through it. Yeah, so, I saw some videos of people shooting them. It seemed like it was having a lot of, uh, or at least a few malfunctions I saw, but that might have been just because it, it's been, you know, it was yeah. being shot all day yeah. long. Um, so I'm, I'm, you know, I'm curious to see, I think that still has a little development to go, but it's a good yeah. idea and really, um, really interesting concept for sure. Yeah. So, you know, the, there, there were a couple other cool little, you know, things here and there, um, that I saw it shot, you know, via, you know, social media and everything. Yeah. Um, I, I saw something I got excited about was, um, something called rubber dummies. You would, <laughs> I knew that was coming, but, um, what they are is they are a head and torso that's mounted on a, a steel stand or a metal stand. And that was um, in the Spalding videos, right? That he posted up. You know, it, it was, and it was weird because he and I saw those at the shot show the day prior to that. And then the next day here he is on a range that actually has them. But the cool thing is about that, Mike, I mean, they could take up to 5,000, um, uh, so like those self-healing handgun rounds, self-healing. So it just leaves a little like tiny pock mark and what you do is you repaint it each time just like a steel target so you yeah. can see where your impacts are um the cool thing is is that you can strike them although i would use an open hand versus your fist because it you may not be striking anything else for a while because they're pretty <laughs> solid uh you can also muzzle strike them you could shoot them up close contact distance i mean it's it's perfect for what i do the only thing is um you sort of have to have a designated range yeah, you're you not can't gonna, really carry those no. around with you yeah and they're probably not cheap either yeah, they're not nearly as expensive as, as I thought. Um, I think we're going to get some of those for the site, you know, Firearms Training Center, where I teach uh, courses each year. I think we're going to get some of those out there. They'll last a heck of a long time, you know. Yeah. Um, it's cool because they are essentially the front half of a body. Um, there's there's no back of the head. There's no back. And, it, and the back portion is actually hollowed out. One of the things that you could do that's kind of cool is mount something up there like a... Uh, a blood pack essentially so you can you can have that and uh, the reason why it's hollowed out in the back is because it, it's for longer life more durability if it otherwise it's going to blow the back of that thing out so. yeah and probably for weight too i'm sure yeah, those things aren't yeah, aren't exactly. very light either exactly so but again that's one of the things we saw um uh abner miranda who's a, a buddy of mine saw that and said hey why don't you go check this out this would be perfect for the training that you do so pretty neat I wanted to play this uh, th- this video I came across the other day. Um, a buddy of mine sent me this. Um, I, I you know I don't even know where to start on this. Uh, um, Clint Smith. Yeah, the guy's yeah. awesome. You know, he's been around forever. One of the kind of the staples of the industry. 
Um, he put up this video, I think it was yesterday, the day before, called Burning Bridges. You can find it under the Th Thunder Ranch uh, YouTube channel. Um, I wanted to play a little part and kind of get your reaction to it. Yeah, um, viewer discretion, listener discretion advised, little little vulgarity. I don't think it's too bad. Nothing yeah, our listeners uh, aren't used to. I think the fancy word that they ask a lot, because Brady goes to a lot of schools, and that's good. Uh, they come up with, uh, what, what's that word? Validity. The validity. You know, how am I valid in today's yeah. world? Yeah. You know? And so this comes from, you know, like guys who are street cops, maybe like in Orville, California, who run around in the woods and play with night vision shit and stuff like that. And, and guys who have a $40,000 German Shepherd and go to Japan and play with people with paintballs and how am I valid and what I teach is old and, and stuff like that. And, and you know, um, here's the thing. Uh, most of the time, if you think about this from an industry standpoint, um, I say very little about other people. So that's, you know, that, that's Clint Smith, uh, in, in my words, in, in insulting other people while saying he's not insulting other people, <laughs> yeah. um, which is kind of, kind of weird. You know, again, he's, he's a, uh, an uh, absolute, you know, he's been around in the industry forever. Um, he's one of the guys, you know, worked under Jim Cooper, great background. Jeff Cooper, he, yeah. Or Jeff Cooper, not Jim Cooper, sorry. That's his brother. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, he kicked in the balls for that one. Anyway, uh, so he knows his stuff. I mean, there's no question about that. Um, how do you feel about the, the search for validity or, you know, that question? I mean, I, I've never met Clint Smith. I have a lot of respect for him. He's it's hard to argue with what he's done. Um, obviously, he was ticked off about something. There was something that triggered that rant, you know. Um, <clears throat> whether or not, uh, I'm not going to get into the details of that, you know, m my feelings on that per se, because I don't know the whole story. But I do understand uh, a little bit of a, uh, a riff there. And, and Clint Smith has been doing this a lot longer than most people. Very well respected. There's no doubt that what he teaches uh, has validity, right? That's the, the point we're trying to make here. But, you know, also, I think that it's mistaken to think that um, what you know um, is all that there is to know. I, I think that um, there's always something um, uh, changing with regard to tactics, and a lot of it is, is BS. A lot of it is showmanship. A lot of it does not have merit, and you have to weed through that. But I think that um, uh, you have to be careful about dismissing everything else that is that is different or or more modern than what you're than what you're used to. Um, again, um, I've never trained with Clint Smith. I have a lot of respect for him based on his reputation within the industry. Um, yeah, so I just I'm, think it's odd to call out you know other other people unless there's something going on there that I don't know. You sure, know, I talked I, mean, I, I talked I, to one of the uh, the instructors mentioned. Um, not going to say who, but. Um, and they were completely surprised. You know, they they said they have no beef with with Clint or anything like well, that. Well, not and mentioned directly, but re reference sort of. Yeah, know. exactly. So you know, he said that they, there's no there's there's no beef there. He doesn't even know why, or you know, yeah. doesn't want to respond to it or anything. So I don't know, you know, exactly what what triggered this, yeah. but um, it's just kind of a weird thing in the industry where I don't want to say uh, I don't know how to put this, but that everybody has to be better than you know everybody yeah, else. You know that sure. that yeah. that a lot of people can't see good points or you know what i mean just yeah. because of one thing or they saw a video somewhere or something i'm not talking about clint here i'm talking about just people in general you know see one video somewhere and think that that whole person you know everything he teaches isn't valid because of that you know yeah. it's, it's kind of weird um in that i've i've kind of gone through some of the, the the comments and everything and everybody has their favorite you know favorite instructors and all that but there's no 
you know, I've taken classes from all kinds of instructors and I've learned something from every instructor. Yep. No, I wholeheartedly agree with that. And it's funny because, you know, nowadays everybody has a voice, right? You and I have a voice on this podcast as well as every, you know, everyone that has a computer or a cell phone has a voice on social media. And uh, for instance, um, our friend Dave Spaulding posted some videos from his course he just taught in Vegas. Uh, and there's a drill there that is explained in detail in the text above the video and then the video plays. And you have a couple guys asking him, ridiculous questions about the video that had they read the text prior to that, they would have understood the context. So keyboard commandos out there. There's a lot of that. And I, and I understand and maybe that's what Clint's, uh, you know, a a little fired up about in that video. Um, he was passionate. There's no doubt about that, but I think I can't help but think that there was something specific that, uh, that, that, that prompted that. I doubt he just woke up in the morning and said, you know what, I'm going to rant about uh, validity. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's just so. odd that, you know, the, the first sentence is, you know, I don't need to prove my validity. And then there's an eight minute yeah, video proving sure. his validity, <laughs> naming Agre- every, agreed. every, you know, special ops group out there. So agreed. Um, you know, I, I, I look forward, you know, I had a chance to go up there actually. Um, but I, I couldn't go there. It just didn't work with the schedule, but, um, you know, I'd be happy to, Train with him, you know. I'd yeah, I'd, definitely I'd learn something from him. Agreed. I'd love to uh, to train with him as well. It's just a matter of you know schedule and everything else. But that the, the, the frangible bullet thing kind of got me there a little bit because I, I just couldn't source him at the time. I think it was I don't remember it was a couple years ago. So yeah, I mean, there's a lot of, and here's the thing: um, nobody has all the answers, right? I mean, nobody I've met has all the answers, but everybody. It's like they have this view that an instructor has to be all or nothing. Like you have to agree with everything this instructor says or or if this instructor is wrong in your opinion about one little thing, then he doesn't know shit. It's like there is nobody who knows everything. We are all guesstimating based on our experience and we're all trying to teach what we think is the best. And over the years, um, hopefully, our our ideas will change to some degree. In other words... You can look back, for instance, a real specific example, uh, a rifle disarm that we teach that at the time I thought was the best thing going. I got a phone call from a guy in Iraq, a soldier in Iraq, who said that, you know, he wanted to thank me because this particular technique, he says, saved his life. Um, I know it's not the technique that saved his life, but his mindset, his willingness to train, his acknowledgement of the fact that he may have to apply this technique. Any number of techniques would have worked. But the bottom line is now I don't teach that technique anymore because I've found something simpler, you know, and I found that through, in this case, through Kelly McCann. And, and it's like you, but it, but then again, as much as I follow Kelly McCann and respect what he does, I don't agree with everything that he does. So, but it doesn't diminish him as an instructor. It's like it, you learn something from everybody, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. And and to judge someone, as you mentioned, like on a three-minute video clip is, is freaking ridiculous. Take yeah. the class. That's what Dave Spaulding said to those guys who are, who are asking questions. Yeah, he just come out and take, take the, the class. class. Yeah. yeah. So. All right. Well, I think on that, uh, to borrow Jeremy Clarkson's uh, line uh, on that bombshell, I think it's, uh, it's about time to end. We'll, uh, we'll see you soon. And uh, if you have any questions, uh, email us, podcast at thehollowpoint.net. Twitter and Instagram is THP Podcast. Uh, Thehollowpoint.net is our website. You can listen to all the episodes completely free. Uh, we're on iTunes. We're on uh, Google Play. So if you're ever at shot, wear comfortable shoes. I thought I was going to be, you know, Mr. Uh, businessman and, and rented, uh, rented. <laughs> you rented shoes just for shot? <laughs> purchased. I purchased them and they were 185 bucks. These um, dress shoes, right? 
I know how women feel that wear heels now. It's absolutely freaking miserable. These uh, uh, prongs are coming up through my feet. So bottom line, I'm getting some new shoes out of it, but uh, comfortable shoes at shot, guys. <laughs> All right. <laughs> We're out.